Listen, all you New Yorkers. What's up, friends, foes, and whoever else may be listening? It is 10 o'clock on Monday night, which means it is time for the next best thing right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm John Lerner, your host, each and every Monday night, and we have a great, great show put together for you. And when I say we, I mean me and my imaginary friend. A lot of things have gone on this past week, a lot to discuss, a lot of interesting things to talk about, and some great music to share with you as well. But you know what, before we get to all that, I'd like to do what we always do, and that is kick the show off with a quick review of all the great and the not-so-great things that have happened on... This Day in History... Today is November 28th, and on this day in history, in 1582, William Shakespeare and Anne Hathaway were married. Not that Anne Hathaway. On this day, November 28th in 1925, the Grand Ole Opry made its radio debut on station WSM. On this day in 1942, in Boston, Massachusetts, 491 people died in a fire that destroyed the Coconut Grove. On this day, in 1953, New York City began 11 days without newspapers due to a strike of photo engravers. Ugh, I always wanted to be a photo engraver. On this day, November 28, 1963, U.S. President Johnson announced that Cape Canaveral would be renamed Cape Kennedy in honor of his assassinated predecessor. The name was changed back to Cape Canaveral in 1973 by a vote of residence not having it. All right, on this day in 1977, Larry Bird was introduced as, quote, college basketball's secret weapon with a cover story in Sports Illustrated. Whatever that means. On this day, November 28th in 1979, an Air New Zealand DC-10 flying to the South Pole crashed in Antarctica, killing all 257 people aboard. Why were 257 people going to the South Pole? I don't know. I guess we'll never know. On this day, in 1990, Margaret Thatcher resigned as Prime Minister of Britain. Resigned. Let's be honest, she was forced out. On this day, in 1992, in King Williamstown, South Africa, black militant gunmen attacked a country club, killing four people and injuring 20. That doesn't seem that monumental. Okay. On this day in 1994, Jeffrey Dahmer, a convicted serial killer, was clubbed to death in a Wisconsin prison by fellow inmates. Alright, serves him right. And lastly, on this day, November 28, 1995, U.S. President Bill Clinton signed a $6 billion road bill that ended the federal 55-mile-per-hour speed limit. Well, thank God for that. If he accomplished anything, he accomplished that. Am I right or am I right? That's what happened on this day in history. And who knows, perhaps we'll make history right here tonight on Radio Free Brooklyn and be studied for years to come. But probably not. You're listening to The Next Best Thing. I'm John Lerner. Stay tuned.
I know a place where the people can sing, and everything around them dances. And the people aren't bothered by a thing. In fact, they walk around in trances. I know a place where the music is merry, and all the hills and pastures are very green. You know what I mean, yeah. A place where the frosty trees are swaying. A place where the children don't stop playing. A place to which you'll never catch me saying. To the next best thing. Here's what's making news tonight.
All right, friends. All right, so it's been a pretty eventful week. It won't surprise you that a lot of the news we're going to talk about briefly here tonight has to do with, what do you know, the election, the disaster that took place just a few weeks ago. Uh, All right, so what's in the news? What's going on in the world? Trump, well, oh, as of today, Hillary Clinton's lead in the popular vote has passed 2.2 million votes. 2.2 million votes. She has more than 2.2 more votes than Donald Trump, and she lost. I've made this analogy before, I'm going to make it again. This whole electoral college thing, to me, seems like you're playing a basketball game, the team that scores more points loses because they didn't bring as many people to watch as the other team. Does that make any sense whatsoever? The answer is no. But Donald Trump, in his favorite way to communicate, Twitter, went online and tweeted that, well, he's claiming that Clinton's popular vote lead is due to, quote, millions of people who voted illegally. That was tweeted on Sunday afternoon. On the same afternoon, he tweeted, quote, in addition, I hope you guys can hear me. I'm going to turn this background music down a little bit. All right. He also tweeted that same day that in addition to winning the Electoral College in a landslide, I won the popular vote if you deduct the millions of people who voted illegally. Huh. Remember that. Donald Trump tweeted on Sunday, which was yesterday, that in addition to winning the Electoral College in a landslide, which he really didn't, check historical precedent, this wasn't a landslide, but he also said he won the popular vote if you deduct the millions of people who voted illegally. All right, so that's a perfect segue. Last week, if you listened, I almost blew a gasket over the fact that all of these different things, for example, the things Trump says, his business endeavors, the fact that he wanted security clearances for his son-in-law and children, the fact that his foundation had been exposed as a complete and utter scam, they were using the money in the foundation for themselves, not charity, his Trump University case had been settled for, what was it, $45, 25000000 million. If you had one of those things, had Hillary Clinton won the election, if you had even a hint of one of those things I just listed, she would be, she would be attacked mercilessly every day. How do we know this? Well, come on. I don't think we need to get into how we know this. Emails. 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 Trump Foundation is a scam. Trump University is a scam. Donald Trump is using his position as the president-elect to better his business deals in other countries. Illegal. So many things illegal, but who cares? Hillary Clinton had a private email server. So I was frustrated because no one seemed to care about any of that stuff. No one was saying anything about it. No one seemed to really give a crap. No one wanted to do anything about it. Well, guess who has decided to do something? Of all people, Jill Stein. Jill Stein, the Green Party candidate, kind of the permanent Green Party candidate. She was their nominee this year, and she was their nominee in 2012. And I'm not sure I know anyone else in the Green Party besides Jill Stein. Jill Stein, former, or I guess physician Jill Stein, who doesn't believe in vaccinations. Figure that one out. She decided, of all people, she decided to go forth 
with these, go forth with the effort to at least get recounts in the states where it has been brought to our attention that there was some potential manipulation going on. Computer scientists, if you don't remember, have come forward and urged the Clinton campaign to request recounts in states such as Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania because, quote, because, quote, there were, uh, oh yes, there were discrepancies in, in Donald Trump's favor in exit polls of 23, not three states, but 23 states. And for those of you who are wanting to shun polls forever because of how misled you feel about that election, these are different. Exit polls and opinion polls and whatnot, totally different. There's never been a discrepancy in exit polling and actual results like there, is, there was this year. And that means something. It truly does. Now, I should put a disclaimer out there. I'm not saying that I think the, I don't, I'm not trying to say that I think the election is going to be overturned and that Hillary Clinton is going to be the next president. That would be, that would be a miracle. I want that to happen so badly. I don't necessarily, I don't think that's going to happen necessarily. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether or not that happens. It's still worth doing something about. There are all these things that are so shady, his connection with Russia, and it's not just a hypothetical. A Russian diplomat has come forward and said on television that they were in communication with the Trump campaign for many months leading up to Election Day. That's not okay. You can't be in cahoots with a hostile foreign nation when it comes to your campaign for our election. All right. Well, we said on most of that last week. So um, we're going to talk about this a little bit. But before we do, here is a clip of Jill Stein being asked about why she came forward, why she decided to do this. Um, she, Both Jill Stein and Hillary Clinton, who has... The Clinton campaign has kind of begrudgingly said that they will support the effort. They're not really doing anything to promote it or raise money for it or anything like that. But they've said that they will support the effort and, you know, they'll, I don't know, they'll support the effort. So here's Jill Stein being interviewed today. This was just today, folks. And here's what she had to say. Jill Stein. Green Party presidential nominee Dr. Jill Stein joins me now. So Dr. Stein, are you a crybaby and a loser? Well, unfortunately, or shall we say fortunately, it's not about me. It's about the American people who emerged from this election as not happy campers. 80% of Americans, according to a New York Times poll, were disgusted by the conduct of the election. And throughout the election, what I had said whenever I was asked, would I call for a recount if there were doubts about the credibility of the results, I always said yes. This is not about helping one candidate or hurting another candidate. This is also not about advancing my own career. You know, my campaign is not going to win here. Very, very true. Although we might get a more accurate count you, of uh, green votes. You talk but about this not advancing. About well, Dr. Stein, you talk, though, about knowing that you won't win. President-elect Trump says that this is basically a scam. And nobody knows more about putting together and pushing scams than Donald Trump. Say it with me. Trump University. He said that this effort by you is going to fill her coffers with money, most of which she will never spend on this ridiculous recount. Does every cent of what you're fundraising for in the recount go to those efforts? Yes, and that's what, that's what the voters are funding. And we're very clear about what is being funded. You can see the whole budget for it. 
actually on our fund on our fundraising page. This fundraised itself, this funded itself overnight. We put out a press release and put up a website. And voters have voted with their pocketbooks here, an average $45 donation, almost 140,000 donors have stood up to say we deserve an election system that we can have confidence in. And with 80% of American voters being very unhappy with the conduct of this election, this is like not rocket science that we need to shine daylight on the results. And remind you, we had already declared that we were going for a recount in Michigan even before we knew who the winner was. That meant that it would have been a, a recount with Hillary Clinton had she won. So that was only decided. So it's really clear we are not here with a partisan axe to grind. We're here as the American people to say we deserve a voting system that we have confidence in. And We've Dr. had a Stein, lot of hacking, Dr. a lot Stein, of hacking in this election, we, and we want to know that our votes have not been hacked. Okay, so a couple quick things. First of all, she's right to an extent. I mean, we do care about the election process and the voting system, making sure it's not screwed up, making sure it's accurate. More importantly, and way on, at least I'll be honest, I care way more about making sure that Hillary Clinton had accurate vote counts, I'm making sure that the count was accurate when it comes to both candidates, those two in particular, for this election in particular, let's be honest. I mean, I had never once thought to myself, you know what, I think our election system is screwed up and people are probably hacking it and it needs to be investigated thoroughly before this because I'm not really I'm not really investigating the election system. I'm investigating these states, these votes because there is evidence that something may have been awry. Okay? Also, she's correct to point out that there's been a lot of hacking or there was a lot of hacking that went on throughout the campaign and throughout the general election, but she should point out because it's important that all the hacking that went on was on one side. It happened to one candidate and one party. Only one party, only one candidate. The RNC was never hacked. The DNC was hacked multiple times. Donald Trump's campaign people never had their emails exposed or broken into or stolen. Hillary Clinton's did multiple times. That matters. That clearly matters. You want to talk about uh, hacking. We have Scott Walker in Wisconsin that's been tweeting about this and specifically, though, saying that it's hard to justify a recount when the winner won by over 22,000 votes. What? Yeah. Okay, so this is important. <clears throat> he just referred to Scott Walker, the governor of Wisconsin. He said it's hard to justify a recount when the winner won by almost 22,000 votes. Now, he wants to make that sound like a really large number, like it was an obvious win. Okay, how many votes were cast in Wisconsin? A little over 3 million. So 22,000 out of 3 million is 9 tenths of a percent. It's minuscule. And frankly, there are certain states where if the vote is that close, it's automatically grounds for a recount. Um, this is an important fact, an important aspect of this story, because it's, it's something that I was actually talking with someone about recently. Because this whole thing, the whole idea of requesting recounts and filing appeals and stuff like that, and the fact that the Democrats aren't Really, they don't seem interested. I mean, Jill Stein is heading up this effort, which is pathetic. No offense to Jill Stein, but frankly, she doesn't have a whole lot to lose here. As she said in the beginning of her answer, she lost either way. I mean, whether she lost the state of Michigan by 
you know, five million or four million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine, it's not going to make that much of a difference. But the fact of the matter is, who is the governor of Wisconsin? Scott Walker, a known conservative Republican, a puppet of the Koch brothers. He has no. He doesn't. He has no interest in recounting the votes. Who's the governor of Michigan? Okay, so in Michigan there were approximately. 4.6 million votes votes cast just between Clinton and Trump alone. That's not even counting the other write-ins and you know libertarians and Jill Stein. But between the two major party candidates, there were 4.6 million votes cast. It was announced today that Clinton apparently lost by 10,704. 10,704 votes. That was the difference in Michigan. Two tenths of a percent. Who's the governor of Michigan? Oh, that's right. Rick Snyder, a Republican who knowingly poisoned an entire city in his state. This is the guy who knew that the water supply in Flint, Michigan was about to get completely contaminated with lead. Lead. And instead of taking immediate action and getting on it right away so that he could alert the people and whatever, he just kind of sat back and thought, eh, you know, come on, it's just Flint. And it's been an absolute nightmare and an absolute disaster. Do you think this guy's really going to give a crap about making sure the votes were accurately tallied in his state? Not if his party has nothing to gain from it. They won. What do they care if it's accurate? When I... Okay, we're going to get into why I'm really kind of starting to hate Democrats in a minute. But this this is a major factor. The fact that it's Jill Stein heading this effort. In fact, it was reported in The Hill today that a lot of top Democrats are viewing this as just kind of a silly effort, something that's not going to make any difference. It's kind of a distraction. Again. What? Uh, I want to play what election officials in Wisconsin had to say today about the recount. Take a listen. We're going to look back when this recount is completed and find that the system worked well. And I, I don't expect that the outcome will be qualitatively different than the recount at the Supreme Court where we had a minimal amount of votes done. When you talk about evidence of hacking, what do you have to prove that in the efforts that are taking place for a recount in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania? The nature of hacking is that you don't see it if you don't look, you know. Hear no evil, see no evil. And there is no evil. The point here is that we deserve an election system that has built-in safeguards. Yeah, okay, again, I've never been a huge fan of Jill Stein, and this is a reason why. She, you know, this that's a bad answer. The truth of the matter is, many people, many computer scientists have come forward and said that there are multiple states in which there is evidence there are very, very odd irregularities in the voting results and the exit polls. There's a lot of discrepancies. There's there's, an, there's evidence of potential fraud, potential hacking. That alone should warrant a recount. You know, here she's going to get into safeguards and airplanes and all that stuff. Woo, Jittlestein. I kid, I kid, don't tweet at me, Green Party members. You wouldn't get into an airplane and first start thinking about, you know, your backup systems when the plane begins to suddenly lose altitude. You want a system which is secure from the get-go. This is an election in which there has been hacking and allegations of tampering 
all over the place. We know that the Democratic Party uh, database was hacked into. We know that the voter databases in the state of Illinois, in the state of Arizona, and 20 other states allegedly had attempts to uh, breach their security. We know that private emails were hacked. And we know that we have voting machines here. In Wisconsin, for example, they use voting machines which are illegal in California and which are in the process of being made illegal in Virginia and in Maryland because they are an invitation to tampering, to human error, and to hacking. You don't want to have the plane go down before you first start to check on backup systems to make sure we can have peace of mind. Voters don't come out of this election with peace of mind. We deserve to have peace of mind. All right, so that's the gist of how that conversation went. She actually went on to kind of bash Hillary Clinton, which she's done, she's always done. I mean, that's another thing that's it's an important thing to know and to point out. This is no, this is no, like, joining of teams here. I mean, Jill Stein has bashed Hillary Clinton since day one. She's continued to bash Hillary Clinton. In fact, she's kind of, she kind of went on in this interview to kind of, I don't know, sneer at the fact that the Clinton campaign has said that they support this effort. I mean, so, you know, there's no coordination between the two campaigns. But overall, I have to say, I have to hand it to Jill Stein. I applaud this. I think, I thank God someone's doing this. I mean, I, it was driving me crazy. I mean, you remember last week, if you listened to the show, I couldn't believe how, I couldn't believe the inaction being taken by everyone, but Democratic leaders in particular. And frankly, I still feel that way. More so now than I did last week because more evidence has has has, has um, been uncovered. And frankly, they didn't have to do the, you know, they didn't have to raise the money. They didn't have to kind of spark the interest. Jill Stein, of all people, did that. The least Democratic leaders could do is get on board, support it, and, you know, kind of build some momentum for it. You know, have some, I mean, care for the love of God. But they don't. They don't. They mock it. And they and we wonder why Democrats apparently lose so goddamn always. Moving right along. All right, so that, you know, that took up a lot of our news time, but I thought it was worth it. I... Uh, you know, again, I kind of make fun of Jill Stein. I don't mean anything by it. And the truth is, I really do genuinely appreciate the fact that she's doing this. <clears throat> uh, you know, she has raised for the votes or for the recounts in uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and hopefully Michigan. They set out initially, I think it was to raise $2 million. They did that in a matter of like hours. The I first learned that she was raising money, I think, on Friday, Friday afternoon, Friday night. It's now, obviously, Monday night, and they've raised almost $7 million, and that's their goal. If they raise $7 million, that funds the recount efforts in Wisconsin, in, in Pennsylvania, and in Michigan. So, you know, by the way, there's a difference between a recount and an audit. A recount is very rudimentary. I mean, like I said before... I don't think it's going to change anything drastically, but I think it's worth it. And with the two governors in Michigan and Wisconsin, they're going to do everything they can to do absolutely nothing. Trust me. All right, so that's that. Hopefully we'll have some at least 
interesting, if not good, news to report next week. If you have, if you if you're interested and you want to donate, by all means, go to Jill Stein's website. Um, I thought it was jillstein.com slash recount, but it's not. I think it's jillstein.nationbuilder.com slash recount. But you know what? We have this thing called Google. If you Google jillstein, recount, it'll pop up. Do it if you're interested. Moving right along. Okay, so Donald Trump, as I said briefly, he attacks Jill Stein immediately for this. Hello, he lives on Twitter. He attacks Jill Stein for doing this. He attacked Hillary Clinton for apparently begrudgingly saying she'd go along with it. Um, look, I need to say something. I'm going to stop myself. I can't be, I can't hold it against Hillary Clinton for not wanting to take on this fight. Hillary Clinton, I mean, come on. If I were Hillary Clinton, I never could have survived this election to begin with, even if, even if she had won, even if I, Hillary Clinton, had won. I still would never have lived to be the president because the election would have killed me. Who can, who can, the fact that she dealt with that constant, constant scrutiny, attacks, misogyny, which people don't want to talk about, but it's, it's there. She was more, she was attacked for things like, first of all, I have some, you know, I have some really smart, well, you know, grounded friends who they might have even supported Hillary Clinton, but they'll still say every now and then, well, you know, there are, there is a lot to criticize. I mean, she does have the Clinton Foundation. So <laughs> she has the Clinton Foundation. What has been brought to light about the Clinton Foundation? The worst thing I've heard, and it's what I mean when I say that is the worst, the way they've painted it to make it sound as bad as possible is that Bill Clinton at one point received a million dollar gift donation to the Clinton Foundation for his birthday from some leader of a foreign country. Okay, so what does that mean? If if a million dollars went to the Clinton Foundation, that means a million dollars was put towards uh, funding getting medicine to children and adults who need HIV medicine in countries where they couldn't have access to it and couldn't afford it. It means the Clinton Foundation, and no one disputes this, does some of the best, most unbelievable work for children and families around the world. So I don't give a crap who the money is coming from for... And people are, they've never even said it was for anything other than like an hour-long meeting with the former president. A, he's the former president. Who cares? He can meet with whoever he wants. B, again, that donation went to the Clinton Foundation. Unlike Donald Trump, the Clintons don't go to the Clinton Foundation and make deposit and, you know, make withdrawals for their own cash wallets whenever they want. That money goes towards great causes. So if that's the worst thing you can say about Hillary Clinton, okay, you're going to have to work harder than that. And you can't because the Republicans did, and they came up with nothing, but it didn't matter because she lost anyway. Um, What was my point? Oh, yeah, so if if I were Hillary Clinton, I would have died months ago. I would have probably run off and lived in a cave somewhere with no internet and no people allowed. 
she didn't do that. But after everything she's been through, and it's not just this election, it's been going on since 1992 when she was criticized as the new first lady of Arkansas for not taking her husband's last name, for not looking like a proper first lady, all that crap. And there's videos and interviews to prove it. Go look it up if you're so inclined. Um, but so I can see why, after everything she's been through, this election included, she wouldn't want to raise a stink about the election results and the vote counts in various states. I don't hold that against her. I hold it against everyone else. I hold it against her entire campaign, campaign staff, Robbie Mook, John Podesta. You guys lost. I mean, come on. You guys were the ones who were supposed to get out there and get people to vote and get people excited. And you, you didn't. You just didn't. And frankly, some of that is on the people because people who couldn't get excited about Hillary Clinton because they just can't get over themselves, that's their problem. And again, I should always point this out. There is a phone uh, here, and people are always welcome to call in and give their two cents on whatever we're discussing here on The Next Best Thing. The number is 718-928-9732. Give us a call. I can't guarantee you'll get through on the air, but I can guarantee you might. <laughs> that's a guarantee. Um, but yes, so I can see why she wouldn't want to raise a stink, but everyone else I think has an obligation to, and all the leaders, all the democratic leaders, I mean, I'm just, there was an article, as I mentioned earlier, there was an article in the Hill today and the headline was, I believe it was Democrats agree recount attempts are a waste of time. You know what? I think they're a waste of time and I think it's true. I think they need to be cleared out. It's time to make way for some new energy. And when I say new energy, I mean energy. If they're not going to get up and fight for anything ever, then what's the point of them? What is the point of them? Jesus. All right, so I'm going to take a breather here, and we're going to take a break. And we'll be right back. You know what? Believe it or not, there is some other news to discuss. And we will discuss it. Most of it is more fun and lighthearted than this. If you can believe that, it is. You're listening to The Next Best Thing on Radio Free Brooklyn. Brooklyn? Good Lord, am I having a stroke? We'll be right back. Don't go away.
If at any point throughout the broadcast you hear a topic you would like to discuss or feel you have a tidbit that you could contribute, please don't hesitate to call in. I would absolutely love it. It would make my day. How about you, Brandon? Would it make your day? I don't really care. Great! 
The number to call is seven one eight nine two eight nine RFB. Again, that's seven one eight nine two eight nine seven three two. And you know what? Even if you just want to call in and say hello, or better yet, call in and say you suck, go ahead. It would be just as delightful. Now on with the show. Alrighty, and we're back. You're listening to the next best thing on Radio Free Brooklyn. I uh, I have to make a quick correction. I said that we would be having some more uplifting news to talk about when we came back, and we do, but not not right off the bat. Um, in all seriousness, there was a reported shooting today, um, a shooting today at Ohio State University. As it turns out, the attacker was actually armed with a butcher's knife, and he used his vehicle as well to run people over. So there was no gun, but he still was able to seriously injure over a dozen people before being brought down by the police. The suspect is an 18-year-old who is said to be said to have been a student at the university. He was, um, I believe, shot and killed by the police when he refused to cooperate with them. Uh, gun violence and guns in general is something that I feel very strongly about. I I hate guns. I hate guns, and I'm not afraid to say it. And um, I'm not... I do talk about it a lot because I think it's a huge problem. I think it is... I think it's a problem. A lot of people, it's very kind of in nowadays to say that climate change is the most important and most scary issue of our time, especially if you're a millennial. I think it is one of them. I also... I think it is one for sure. I think gun violence is right with it if not above it i think it's an it is an epidemic in this country people don't know about that because you only hear about shootings when they happen on a mass massive scale the mass shootings as it happens nowadays in america mass shootings happen so often that you do hear about them you know every other week or so that's not to say they don't happen more than that. It was reported a few months ago that nowadays we actually are down to the fact, or we're actually to the point where America, if a mass shooting is defined as a shooting where four or more people are shot, mass shootings happen every single day. Every day here in America. Every day. But you don't hear about it. Because how could you? It's kind of like with Donald Trump. Not to revert here, but throughout the campaign he said so many stupid things, so much outrageous horse crap, that after a while, it just got too hard and almost impossible to report it all and to kind of get outraged about it. Also, after a certain point, people stopped. People stopped caring. People stopped holding him accountable for it because that was just Donald. He says so much crazy, crazy stuff. Let's make him the president because why not? Well, with mass shoot, or not with mass shootings, with gun violence in general, it happens so often and so so everywhere it happens in every city you hear about chicago i didn't mean to go off on a rant about this in fact i was gonna say the reason i even brought it up was to say that i'm not afraid to talk about it and i would love to just i'm i'm more than happy to discuss it with anybody no matter where they stand on the issue i embrace debate i especially thoughtful respectful debate doesn't happen very often with gun advocates and i'm not saying that as an assumption i'm saying that because in past shows that I've hosted, I had people in, I had people call in, I sat down with um, Larry Pratt, 
I sat down with Larry Pratt, who is not anymore, but at that point was like the, I don't know, CEO of Americans for the Second Amendment, and we ended a conversation about it. A few minutes in, it was very clear that I was talking to someone who was totally out of his mind. But he was also a member of the Virginia House of Delegates, so make of that what you will. But it's a problem, and we will talk about it on the show, but not right now. We have other things to do. Okay, last thing I'm going to talk about when it invo- that involves Donald Trump. It's reported that he is very angry at his former campaign manager and current top advisor, Kellyanne Conway. Uh, she went on television and said that Donald Trump's, quote, loyal supporters across the country feel betrayed by the fact that he's considering Mitt Romney, one of his most vicious critics, for Secretary of State. Well, that did not go over well with Donald Trump, if you can believe it. He was furious with her. He told someone, I don't know if it was a reporter or someone who leaked it, that he was, that he was furious that she, quote, went rogue and publicly bashed Romney. Okay, big surprise. Big surprise. In other news, and this is the fun stuff I was talking about, last night... I was at, this is not national news, this is an anecdote, so don't think I confuse the two. Last night, I went to a party at a friend's place up in, I guess, Harlem, maybe just before Harlem. It was, and I'm a little embarrassed to admit that I went to this, but it was a birthday party. It was their their dog's first birthday party. Oh, dear, sweet Jesus. You know, uh, and we had a party. They had a party for them, and people came. I went, and it was fun. You know, whatever. Consi- I, don't, I thought it was an excuse for just a party. But when I got there, I was very, it was very clear that, no, this really was to celebrate little Daisy. The dog's name is Daisy. It was to celebrate her first birthday, and you know what? Good for them. They love that dog, and and I'm sure it won't be, whatever, whatever. I love dogs too, but not in that way. Um, And I got to talking with another friend of mine about football. You see, last night was Sunday night football. Yesterday was Sunday, so football was going on all day. But my team, the Kansas City Chiefs, were playing on Sunday night football against the Denver Broncos. Huge rivalry. They're both in the AFC West. It was a huge game for various reasons. I can't imagine there are that many avid football fans who listen to Radio Free Brooklyn. Probably, probably... Stupid of me to assume that, but I'm gonna. But anyway, to make a long story short, huge game. Huge game with huge playoff implications. Great game. Went into overtime, neck and neck. Involved a lot of comebacks. The best part about it was my team won. The Kansas City Chiefs beat the Denver Broncos for only the second time in probably their last six, seven meetings. Um, last year, it was glorious. They beat them in Denver... Because, and it was, well, I like Peyton Manning, but he just crapped the bed. I think he threw four interceptions. It was just terrible. He had to be actually benched. And Brock Osweiler, yeah, that huge (laughs) future Hall of Famer, Brock Osweiler, had to be brought in for him. Anywho, the Chiefs were playing the Broncos, and um, my friend who I was talking to at the dog's birthday party, good Lord, let me have a, let me not get distracted. This is important. I was talking to my friend about the game, and I, you know, mentioned that I rooted for the Chiefs. I'm from Kansas City. And it was, and suddenly he kind of, 
he brought up the Washington football team. Now, there's been an ongoing controversy over the past, really, a long time. But in the past few years, it's kind of been brought to light more. But the name of the Washington professional football team is, it's tough for me to say. I don't like saying it. I actually wish I was more uncomfortable saying it because it is a pejorative, it is offensive, and it should be, here, let me put it this way. If there was a team somewhere in this country named the Racist Valley N-Words, oh, that's as close as I would come to saying the name of that team. And that's, I wish I could say that about this Washington team. I don't want to say the name, but I'm going to just because it, um, it needs to be said for the story. The name of the Washington team is called the Redskins. Redskin is a pejorative. It is similar to the N-word for African Americans. It is similar to, um, well, if there was similar to a certain F-word, you might hear homosexuals called. It's a pejorative. I mean, it doesn't, it's unfathomable that a team is named this. If a team were to be, if the NFL expands anytime soon, there is 0%, there is a 0% chance that a team could have a name like this. But because it was named a long time ago, the owner refuses to change it. Now, the reason I bring this up is because my friend brought it up because they, they seem to think that my team the Kansas City Chiefs, was on that same level, that they were both equally offensive. Now, this is, up to, this is very subjective. I understand that. But I, I very much disagree. Now, we had had a few drinks at this point last night, and I really am kicking myself because I didn't make my argument very coherently. I wasn't, I wasn't belligerent. I just, I just don't feel like I really made my point very clearly. But you know who could make my point way more clearly than I ever could? Bob Costas. So I'm going to let him do it. Washington playing Dallas here tonight. It seems like an appropriate time to acknowledge the ongoing controversy about the name Redskins. Let's start here. There's no reason to believe that owner Daniel Snyder or any official or player from his team harbors animus toward Native Americans or wishes to disrespect them. This is undoubtedly also true of the vast majority of those who don't think twice about the longstanding moniker. And in fact, as best can be determined, even a majority of Native Americans say they are not offended. But having stipulated that, there's still a distinction to be made. Objections to names like Braves, Chiefs, Warriors and the like strike many of us as political correctness run amok. These nicknames honor rather than demean. They're pretty much the same as Vikings, Patriots or even Cowboys. And names like Blackhawks, Seminoles and Chippewas, while potentially more problematic, can still be okay provided the symbols are appropriately respectful which is where the Cleveland Indians, with the combination of their name and Chief Wahoo logo, have sometimes run into trouble. A number of teams, mostly in the college ranks, have changed their names in response to objections. The Stanford Cardinal and the Dartmouth Big Green were each once the Indians. The St. John's Redmen have become the Red Storm. And the Miami of Ohio Redskins, that's right, Redskins, are now the Red Hawks. Still, the NFL franchise that represents the nation's capital has maintained its name. But think for a moment about the term Redskins. 
and how it truly differs from all the others. Ask yourself what the equivalent would be if directed toward African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians, or members of any other ethnic group. When considered that way, Redskins can't possibly honor a heritage or a noble character trait, nor can it possibly be considered a neutral term. It's an insult, a slur, no matter how benign the present day intent. It's fair to say that for a long time now, and certainly in 2013, no offense has been intended. But if you take a step back, isn't it clear to see how offense might legitimately be taken? For more on this topic... Listen to me, because I'm going to talk about it. That was Bob Costas, a very thoughtful, very smart guy. Probably one of the best sports commentators, sports guys on television nowadays. Um, now, he pretty much said what I said, even before I played it, right here on the air. But the difference was, he made it very, he was more concise, and kind of more coherent. Wouldn't you know? But... So that, that, it caught me off guard when my friend brought that up. I thought it was a real false equivalency, and here's why. As I said, and as Bob Costas pointed out, the term redskin... It's 11 o'clock. It's 11 o'clock, friends. It's 11 o'clock. Right here on Radio Free Brooklyn and in New York City. The difference between redskin and chief, brave, seahawk... No one has ever... Redskin is a pejorative. What is a pejorative? It is a term used by... It is a term used to... to, to demean a certain group of people. It is a, an insult, a slur. No one, and I don't... And I mean no one that I know of on this earth has ever been referred to as a chief in any derogatory, offensive way. It's just different. Here's where I think, and this, again, Bob Costas points it out, but here's where I think perhaps my friend was coming from. It comes down to, if you go to a Chiefs game, and I've been to many, lucky in that regard, because even when they're terrible, Chiefs games are fun to go to live. Uh, if you go to a Chiefs game at Arrowhead Stadium, you'll see people are very enthusiastic, some so much so that they will dress up, they will paint their faces, they will wear the headdresses, they will do all that stuff, and that is where I can see it getting problematic. And that can be said for every every team where there's any type of Native American involved, be it the mascot, be it, you know, well, I guess just the mascot or the team name. You know, when people start dressing up in the headdresses and bringing the, um, bringing the uh, you know, tomahawks and all that stuff, that's where it can be offensive. That's where I can see where he's coming from. But just in the sheer name alone, Chief Redskin, not the same. False equivalency. And Bob Costas said, for a brief second, he said, political correctness run amok. Now, I'm very much against the Washington team name. I, can't, I think it should have been changed a long time ago. I can't believe it hasn't been changed. I can't believe how, like, staunchly aggressive the owner is about not changing the name. He has said, he has said, he has said that the name will not change, period, the end, over my dead body. So that's a little weird. That's a little weird. Um, people don't like change. I thought that, you know, I was thinking about it, and I thought, okay, my two favorite teams ever, the Kansas City Royals, the Kansas City Chiefs. 
if for one reason or another, one of them had to change their team name. What, you know, how would I feel? What would I think? What would happen? Um, well, first of all, it depends on the reason, but how would I feel? It would suck. I mean, I think, well, that sucks. You know, like I've always known them as the Chiefs and the Royals. You know, what's that's that sucks. But that's it. If the chief, if the Chiefs or the Royals changed their name, but they still played the same sport and stayed in Kansas City, I'm not like going to stop rooting for them. You get over it. People don't like change. People get over change. It doesn't take too long, but it'll take some time. I don't know. That's just how I feel. But I don't think it does anyone any good to start equating stuff like a team called the Redskins with a team called the Chiefs, Braves, etc. I think that's a false equivalency. And I think that when that happens, what it does is it kind of blurs the line between actual, you know, offensive stuff, real, whether it's racism, sexism, uh, homophobia, whatever. When you start calling kind of, when you start making false equivalencies and kind of putting everything in one big offensive category, well, then it becomes harder to distinguish who's, who really is a racist, who really is kind of, kind of, you know, I don't want to say a bigot, but who is kind of, whether they're apathetic to it or actually, you know, a racist or a bigot. And that's where I think it becomes a problem. And I'm going to, we're going to talk about that after, right in the next segment, and you're going to see where I'm going with this. Because there's people like me who think that it's fine to have an NFL team called the Kansas City Chiefs. And then there's guys like who we're about to, who we're about to talk about. Oh boy, get excited because it's outrageous. And when I say outrageous, I mean holy shit. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. This is the next best, next best thing. Follow us on Twitter. We are at Next Best Radio or on Facebook, facebook.com backslash NBT Radio. We'll be right back. Cry. 
I need your arms around me. I need to feel your touch. Home. 
They say you're really not somebody Until somebody else loves you Well, I am waiting to make somebody somebody is the next best thing. Don't go. All right. All right. So, last week in Washington, D.C., a group called the National Policy Institute held its annual conference. The National Policy Institute, they call themselves a conservative think tank, members of the, quote, alt-right movement. Now, right away, that should put up some red flags and... um so, objectively, he, if you hear alt-right, if someone calls themselves alt-right, well, okay, just get, just kind of brace yourself. Here is a, here is a few minutes, couple cuts, from the speech that the president of the National Policy Institute, his name is Richard Spencer, this is the speech he made to close out the conference. This was in Washington, D.C. at the Reagan Library. The National Policy Institute, their annual conference, here's their president giving the keynote speech to close it out. Brace yourselves. Hail Trump! Hail our people! Hail victory! No one
one will honor us for losing gracefully. No one mourns the great crimes committed against us. For us, it is conquer or die. The mainstream media, or perhaps we should refer to them in the original German, Lugenpresse. It's not just that they are leftist and cucks. It's not just that many are genuinely stupid. Indeed, one wonders if these people are people at all. Or instead, soulless golem, animated by some dark power to repeat whatever talking point John Oliver stated the night before. <laughs> to be white is to be a striver, a crusader, an explorer, and a conqueror. We build, we produce, we go upward. And we recognize the central lie of American race relations. We don't exploit other groups. We, we don't gain anything from their presence. They need us and not the other way around. Within the very blood in our veins as children of the sun lies the potential for greatness. That is the great struggle we are called to. We are not meant to live in shame and weakness and disgrace. We were not meant to beg for moral validation from some of the most despicable creatures to ever populate the planet. We were meant to overcome, overcome all of it, because that is natural and normal for us. The press has clearly decided to double down and wage war against the legitimacy of Trump and the continued existence of white America. But they are really opening up the door for us. America was, until this past generation, a white country designed for ourselves and our posterity. It is our creation. It is our inheritance and it belongs to us. Now, that guy's not some villain from a crappy movie. That's real. That's a real person giving a speech at a real quote-unquote conference to the members, I guess 200 or so members of the Quote, National Policy Institute, a very official-sounding name for a completely, I mean, I mean, I hear, I hear those clips, and, and I just think, I mean, and, I mean, you want to, there's so much to say, but you're stunned, I'm stunned. I'm stunned that that was real. I'm stunned. Okay, so a couple things. First of all, <laughs> they're opening the door for us. What, the oppression of white people. I mean, it's so, it is so absurd that y y you can't even, there's really nothing that needs to be said. And yet we're going to say some stuff. Because, again, that guy giving the speech, his name was Richard Spencer. He is the president of the National Policy Institute. And let's be clear here, the National Policy Institute is not a think tank. It is a, quote, alt-right, white supremacist group. 
based in Virginia. And basically, they're a group of lobbyists, lobbyists who promote white nationalism, pure and simple, and that's it. Um, where, where to even start? Where to even start? I don't know what sticks out to you folks, but um, this, 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 this got me. The press has clearly decided to double down and wage war against the legitimacy of Trump and the continued existence of white America. The press has decided to double down on the existence of white America. Wouldn't even be possible. Wouldn't even be possible. To be white is to be a striver, a crusader, an explorer, and a conqueror. We build, we produce, we go upward. And we recognize the central lie of American race relations. We don't exploit other groups. We don't gain anything from their presence. They need us and not the other way around. All right, so none of this is funny, but if it ever was, if we could poke fun at some of his just batshit crazy speech, it ends here. That, that line really pisses me. I mean, it's like, it all makes me mad, but it's so outrageous that it's like, who takes this guy seriously? Surely nobody except his lunatic friends. And I hope that to be true, but hey, uh, again, I don't know what's, I don't know which way's up, which way's down. After Donald Trump being elected president, we live in the twilight zone as far as I'm concerned. So I'm sure he has more friends than we think, even the people who, I don't know. Uh, But that, um, that, that line really got stuck with stuck out to me. So Richard Spencer, who I actually just read today, apparently got his got um assaulted by some of his old high school classmates for existing, which hey, I'm very I'm very nonviolent, but frankly, if someone from my school or my hometown represented my hometown or my school that way, I'd want to kick him in the something too. But here's Okay, so Richard Spencer, he also, he went on a television show hosted by a black man who, frankly, you know, his name is Roland Martin. The show, I believe, is on News One Network or something like that. I should should have that somewhere. I'll get it. But the point is, he went on, went face to, went head to head with this guy, this, this nut job from the National Policy Institute. And, um... I have a few highlights from their conversation, if you can call it a conversation. So, at the very beginning of his speech, the clips I played, you heard this. Hail Trump! Hail our people! Hail victory! Now, if you have, if you watch the video where that comes from, you see that a lot, while he's saying that, and certainly afterwards, people stand up and give the Nazi salute. Not something that looks like the Nazi salute, not something that could be confused as the Nazi salute. The Nazi salute. Um, these are, I mean, these people, yeah. Yeah. So he asked, Roland Martin asked him about that right off the bat. And here's what he had to say. 
So why Heil Hitler there? Why why the Nazi references? I, why no one said Heil Hitler? No. First of all, when we saw the video there, there were individuals there who were doing that. We've seen photos uh, as well of individuals at that particular conference uh, who were using the Nazi salute. Do, but there's a lot of exuberance in, in events like this. There's also a lot of irony. Uh, the fact is, of the, the Nazi salute. Yeah, in, in the sense when it when it's done in the context of the alt right, it's done in a spirit of fun Why? and exuberance. But, but, but. The Nazi salute. It's done in a spirit of fun and exuberance. The Nazis. The na- what? But this is America. Because whenever you, whenever anyone sticks up for European identity, whenever they say, I want to stick up for us, for our people, they're always called a collection of names, Nazi, KKK, lunatic, Southern Confederate, non-existent. I've never heard anyone say, I want to stand up for us, the European white people. Etc. I think a lot of people just want to throw it back in those, in their enemies' faces. What? It's done in a spirit of fun and exuberance. People were so excited they couldn't help but do the Nazi salute. All right, so we're dealing with a nut job. Are you a white supremacist? No, I'm not a white supremacist, absolutely. White supremacy means that a white person would want to rule over other people. Wrong. Supremacy. What does it mean to to be supreme? It means to be better, smarter... And really kind of more deserving of everything and anything than another group of people. That is what supremacy means. And that is exactly what this guy is. I think that's putting it lightly. So you don't want to rule over other people? I absolutely do not. We've had white supremacy in our past, whether you think of imperialism, slavery, colonialism. That's been a disaster. So no, I don't want to go back to that. So what are you trying to go? So what are you saying? Because in your video you said, uh, we don't need them, they need us. Who's they? Yes. Who's they? Uh, The white people ultimately don't need other races in order to succeed, in order to be ourselves. Absolutely not. So... How do you think America became the greatest economic uh, nation without... Not uh, through black people. Holy, sweet mother of God. I'm not a white supremacist, but we don't need any other race, and America never became great because of black people. Now, how many of you out there, if someone said to you, what makes America great? Who made America great? Um... I don't think my first thought would be, well, I know who didn't make America great. It was those goddamn fill-in-the-blank. Clearly, this person and his group, they are wired differently. They are wired very differently. And, um, sweet Jesus. You say we don't need anybody else. No. But, But the reality is... America history proves you wrong. The fact of the matter is, there is no great America. You don't, you don't, you can't see here and talk about that greatness without other people making that happen. We could have figured out another way to pick cotton. Who? I mean, the white people could have figured out another way to pick cotton. Y'all tried that, didn't cotton. work. Y'all would have figured it out, but you didn't. Sweet mother of God. He's really saying this to a real person. He's sitting there on television with a, with a distinguished, smart black man saying, we would have figured out a way to pick cotton. We don't need you. What in God's name is going on here? I mean, I I don't... There's a lot that I disagree with Roland Martin about and the things I've seen him on any segment I've seen him on. He gets very preachy 
um, brings religion into almost every conversation. Um, totally cool. That's more power to him. I'm, I just, you know, I don't think that's necessary for me. But I applaud his restraint because, frankly, I mean, I, I'm not saying I would have gotten, I would have gone ape shit and kicked him right in the vagina. Pardon my French. But I don't think I could have really sat there and held a serious, quote unquote, serious conversation with someone who is so clearly out of his mind. So clearly out of touch with reality, and so clearly in the majority, because Donald Trump apparently was just elected president of our country. Jeez, how does that keep coming back up? Um, this guy, first of all, everything he's saying, in addition to just being, you know, insane, is just so stupidly wrong. If you notice, in one part of his speech, he said he refers to the media as leftists. They are so genuinely stupid. You can barely call them humans at all. They are creatures, disgusting creatures. He refers to Gollum at one point. <laughs> Jeez. Um, and then he says stuff like this. Like, we build stuff. We come up with everything. We don't need anyone else. H hello? What does he think this country is? How did America start? People came here from Europe looking for a new life, looking for religious freedom, looking for land in which they could start their own lives, start their own businesses, start their own, you know, new, new world. It was the new world, the land of opportunity. When we got here, when white Europeans got here, they found that, well, this land actually was taken already by Native Americans. And, you know, there are some stories in which they could work together to... You know, on one occasion, there was one tribe that teamed up with a group of settlers to go to war with another tribe. That's where we get the Thanksgiving story, because they worked together, had probably had one meal, and that's it. Otherwise, pure genocide, horrible treatment of Native Americans. Um, but the point is, we were never, we never got here alone. We were never here alone. We will never, no group, be it black people, Asians, white people, uh, anything in between. No one has ever been in America alone. No one has ever done anything in America alone. No one will ever do or be in America alone. So, again, we're talking to a crazy person. And their conversation went on. People of color not going anywhere. So, 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 what is your vision for America? That uh, is, is white land, and the rest of us can leave. I think that white people, Europeans, formed the core of American identity. So, why don't you go back to Europe? Europe. You keep saying European. I just said. I just said. A European is you, being a European isn't just a plot of land. Being a European is about blood and spirit. These people formed the core of American identity. What it means to be American it is ultimately what it means to be a white person here. Wrong. What it means to be an American, really, what I've heard Republicans, Democrats, and everything in between refer to as like our sacred, what we hold most dear and true is the fact that we are a nation of immigrants, a melting pot, where people came together from all walks of life in every corner of the world, and made a beautiful country, made a beautiful land of opportunity for everyone. This wasn't our land. We, you know, if we want to get honest, basically stole it from Native Americans. This guy's nuts. 
How so? Because, we, because how so? Because we Dr. Are Dr. essential. Because the reality is here. Dr. King talked about. And it was, I would maintain that. that. It, it, black, it, Dr. King talked about it was black people who actually made America live up to the ideals that they wrote on a sheet of paper. That there were white, that there were white Americans uh, who talked about, oh, uh, we want uh, the nation to be this. When the reality is, uh, that's not what they were living up to. It was it was it was black folks who made that a reality when it came to the Constitution. When you say all men are created equal, uh, we had a nation where it wasn't all men are created equal. Uh, I myself am critical of the Founding Fathers. However, clearly they but, did not believe in multiracial equality. Clearly, if you look at the and, first... And you, and you agree with that? I Yes, I agree with that. So, I do so, not believe so, that everyone's so, equal. So you don't believe in multiracial equality? No. Are you psycho? Do you not have a soul? All right. He says he himself is critical of the Founding Fathers. I bet that's because they put in in the document that all men were created equal. He he thinks that was dumb and incorrect. And what do the Founding Fathers know? They were a bunch of dumbasses anyway, right? According to this dude. Um, yeah. So this, this is the president of the National Policy Institute. National po- Come on. Come on. I mean, National Policy Institute, why not just call it what it is? A branch of the KKK. <laughs> you know, a branch of. I think that's being pretty generous. Um, I also find it funny that he actually said out loud. Are you a white supremacist? No, I'm not a white supremacist. Ab- absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I don't know. Wh- I mean, Okay. I could say he's crazy again, but I think I've said it 57 times and it doesn't, you know, it's still true. Yeah, it's still true. All right, so here, here's where, as if it hadn't gotten batshit crazy enough, this, this really takes the cake. Get ready. At this point, I want white people to have the same rights that all other people do. The like, fact what, is, what all, institu- white folks don't have? all institutions, in, in terms of legal rights, yes, everyone has the same thing. In terms of what institutions are actually doing, absolutely no. White people do not have the rights of minorities. How so? In what? I'll, I'll, in what? I'll, I'll go into it. In terms of federal hiring, absolutely. Federal hiring is geared towards not hiring more white men. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop, Every, stop. Hold on. Say it again. Federal hiring this point, I want white people to have the same rights that all other people do. The- One more time. One more time. At this point, I want white people to have the same rights that all other people do. The like- fa- what? Are you some damned moron? Look, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, as a white guy, I can tell you, we're just fine. I don't think it takes a white guy. I don't think it takes... I think it just takes a sane person. I mean... (laughs) Us poor white people. God, we've had it really tough. I mean, for God's sake. It's not just insane, but it's also like... Wow, wow, wow. I mean, this is an example of someone who has literally nothing to bitch and moan and complain about, so he truly had to create something in his empty head. In his empty head, and yet he became the president of something that had a conference at the Reagan Library? Why was that allowed? Yeah, I said it. I'll say it again. Why was that allowed? 
And here's the last thing I'm going to play for you because it's just kind of hilarious. So what I want are politicians similar to Donald Trump. Who really- Hear that? Say it again. Really want to protect Say it the again. people. So what I want are politicians similar to Donald Trump who really want to protect the people here who don't think just in terms so of global the who's the population. People? Who's the people? Who are the people? Right. This is whites are still a majority in no, this no, country. No, 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 no. But, but, you, secondly, but, you, but you said the people. So he's black. She's black. He's white. He's white. I'm black. Latino. Are we in the people? Yes. Clearly, you are citizens of this country. Okay. So, 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 if we're in the people, then why can't we also have jobs? I don't. I I care about the country itself, but I really care about European Americans. Okay, but in but, all but, of these institutions, but, but, these institutions are dedicated to discriminating how? against people like how, me. How, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. How, 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 how. They are. If if whites if whites are dominating jobs in banking, if whites are dominating jobs on Wall Street, if whites are dominating hedge funds, if whites are dominating NFL owners and NBA owners, if whites are dominating the major sectors, how in the world can you somehow say, oh my God, it's rough for us white people out here? It's not. How, if you're saying that, how are whites dominating the number of jobs on Capitol Hill? How are whites dominating the number of jobs in the White House? How are whites dominating jobs all across America and you're saying it's not enough white people so stop hiring those minorities. They don't need jobs. We got to make sure us white people keep getting jobs. Is that what you're saying? It doesn't surprise me at all that whites succeed. Uh, we have succeeded throughout the centuries. We are a people of great genius and ambition. So none of that surprises me. In terms of looking at all of these CEOs, a lot of these are older people. They're from a generation with, with, with a very, they come from a generation with a very different population. What I'm more worried about right now are younger people. These institutions are actively, explicitly trying to discriminate against them in terms of hiring. How? It's unfair. How? I don't like it. But even worse, this How? is not we it's this is moving towards a country that is not gonna be the country that we want. Well it's no 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 you say we say the country that we want. I'm still trying to understand because you, you still haven't answered my question. Because but, Europeans build societies that everyone wants to come to, to be honest. Okay. Where are but, the Syrian refugees uh, on, you said when built they're invading? It. Where are they going? Who, 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 they're who, going to Central Europe, they're going to built. Western Europe. You said built. Yes. Who who, who built the railroads in America allow for us to have expansion out west. Who built that? Yes, I'm, a lot of Chinese people. No, no, like, but you, no, you said you, no, the operative word there was built. Built. Who built? Okay, who the, designed them? No, who no, had the genius wait, 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 to imagine wait, wait, railroads? Wait, wait, Europeans. Wait, wait, the, the, the genius to imagine railroads. Okay. Yeah. I, I, no, no, but see, but you said. Are built. there railroads no, 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 in no. Africa? You, you said yes. You said built. Why? You because said you of said. Us. Hold on. You said for, okay. First of all, that uh, is absolutely for, for, true. First of all, you know first of all the greatest genius when it came to the building of the pyramids. Which you would, do you know what? Those they are, are white people, by the way. I'm, who are white people? The uh, Egyptians are not African. I'm sorry. Do you know where Egypt is? Yeah. What are you talking about? Egyptians were not African. White people built the pyramids. At that point, you just have to end the interview and say, I'm sorry to my viewers. We just had a lunatic on set giving an interview. Our mistake. We'll be right back. I mean, really, really. So these, these, this is a group, has an official sounding name. They're lobbyists. They live in, they, they lobby for their cause, and they're all 
huge Trump supporters. I'm not going to stand here and say that I think Donald Trump agrees with everything these people say. I'm not going to say he thinks like they do. I don't believe he does. I've met him three times. That doesn't mean anything. It was very quick, and it was nothing personal. We met three times very quickly. And it didn't take me meeting him three times. I don't believe that he is like these lunatics. However, he said outrageous stuff all throughout the campaign. He started his campaign by giving a speech where he was referred to Mexicans saying, they're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some of them, I assume, are good people. That was day one. Okay, that was day one. He went on to say that we needed to ban Muslims. He went on to say that um, the mother of a mother of a fallen soldier probably couldn't have anything to say because she's a Muslim. He said so many outrageous things that we couldn't even list them all out here if we wanted to because we don't have enough time. And when he did that, I don't think he thought much of it. I think he thought I'm saying outrageous stuff because it gets huge reactions and, hey, free publicity. I barely have to pay. I barely have to buy any advertising, which was true. Um, But what it did was it brought people like this, and there's a lot of them. We all know some. Whether we want to admit it or not, we all know some. And it brought people like this out of the woodwork. You see, for the longest time, most of my life, I'm not, I'm under 30. And so for the vast majority of my life, and by that I mean every, my, my entire life until this election, most people with views like this guy and who would say and think things like what Donald Trump said on, during his campaign, most of them knew that those things weren't generally acceptable nowadays. They weren't socially acceptable and they were frowned upon and therefore they wouldn't, you know, proudly and aggressively say them out loud. Well, that all went out the window because here they see this guy who was successful. He was on TV for years. He looked like a real smart CEO, rich billionaire, looked presidential on the celebrity apprentice. And now here he is winning primary after primary, saying stuff that they've always thought but didn't think was okay to say. Well, suddenly, if he's saying it, they think they can say it, and they do, and they say a lot more and a lot worse. And they don't just say it. I mean, they believe it, and they will act on it, whatever that means. Whatever that means, you know, we know what it can mean. It's a scary thing, and this is what I'm talking about when I said that sometimes when you're talking about something as, and at this point we can all agree, something is kind of... Irrelevant and not so important as the name of a sports team. But I think it starts with little things like that. When you start talking about stuff like the name the Chiefs and the Redskins, and when you say they're both the same, that's what turns people off. And then they kind of turn a blind eye to all of this stuff. And they don't know how to distinguish stuff like people who think the name Chiefs is okay and this guy. They're both racists, right? They're both idiots. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Very few people are on this guy's level when it comes to idiocy. Truly. I give props to Roland Martin. He got through that conversation, and uh, yeah. That was a rough. 
but he did it, and we did it. That guy exists, Richard Spencer, the president of the National Policy Institute. Hopefully we never hear about him ever again. All right, you're listening to The Next Best Thing on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm John Lerner, and we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with one of my favorite segments ever. Okay, this one's for Gabby. Throughout the broadcast, did you hear a topic you would like to discuss or feel you have a tidbit that you could contribute? Please don't hesitate to call in. I would absolutely love it. It would make my day. How about you, Brandon? Would it make your day? I don't really care. Great! 
The number to call is 718-928-9RFB. Again, that's 718-928-9732. And you know what? Even if you just want to call in and say hello, or better yet, call in and say, You suck! Go ahead. It would be just as delightful. Now on with the show. Okay, friends, it's just about time for my favorite segment of the show. It's a segment I like to call... Must See Scary Movies. Yes, that's right. Must See Scary Movies. For tonight's segment, I'm going to do something just a little bit differently. If you've ever listened to the show before and heard this particular segment, you'll know that I typically stick to what some would consider the classics, like The Exorcist. Pet Cemetery. The ground is summer. And other things along those lines. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, folks. Most, if not all, of my favorite scary movies were all made in, well, a year before 1995. I can tell you that much right now. They just don't make them like they used to. But tonight, I want to do something a little differently. I do have a movie that was made, get this, in the year 2007 that I would like to feature tonight as one of my, well, I don't want to say favorites because it's not, but I will say list-worthy and just good old-fashioned horror flick. I'm talking about a movie that tells the tale, well, it tells, it tells the tale... The tale of Mary Shaw. Beware the stare of Mary Shaw. She had no children, only dolls. And if you see her in your dreams, be sure you never, ever scream. If she finds you, remember this. There's only one thing that can save you. Silence. Yes, that's right. I'm talking about the movie Dead Silence. Now, I'm kind of going out on a limb here to feature this movie, to tell you the truth, folks, because it didn't get great reviews, and it's kind of been bashed on the internet ever since it came out. But alas, I enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was spooky, and there were parts that made you jump, and it was a good old-fashioned horror movie with supernatural elements and a villain that didn't slash. It wasn't just a typical scream, or I know Eat It Last Summer, or Michael Myers killing people with a knife. It was it actually had a storyline to it. Speaking of that storyline, it tells the story, or the tale, if you will, of Mary Shaw, a famous ventriloquist from the town of Raven's Fair. She grew up a bit of a loner, didn't have many friends, When she became an adult, she didn't have any children. She didn't get married. She just lived with her dolls. That's why the poem goes, she had no children, only dolls. Her ambition in life was to make, as she put it, the perfect puppet. She was a famous ventriloquist, at least famous amongst her hometown of Raven's Fair. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to be astounded. Prepare to be amazed. Witness Mary Shaw give life to the boy made of wood. 
And one night, many, many, many moons ago, during a huge performance, a young boy decided to heckle her. I can't help it. see your lips moving. What? Who said that? I did. I can see it. Her lips are moving. What do you say to that, Billy? Young Michael here doesn't think you're a real person. What do you mean, Mother? He thinks you're a dummy and that I'm doing your voice for you. But that can't be true. There's no way you'd give me all the good lines. Forget about him, Billy. There will always be doubters. I don't want to forget, Mother. I think we should show this boy just how real I am. I'm just as real as him. No, I'm afraid we must go on with the show. No. I'm as real as you Leave are, and I'll show alone, you. him alone, Billy. I'll show him what Listen it's like, Listen to me, mother. that's enough. I'm as real no as you. More. Bring him up here. Yes, yes, they all clapped and they all laughed and smiled and thought it was all just part of the show. But to their dismay, that little boy, Michael, went missing not long thereafter. And the menfolk of Raven's Fair knew it had been Mary Shaw's doing. And so they went after her. They took the law into their own hands and they went after the old woman. And when they found her, they slit her throat. And so to get revenge, she came back from the grave, just as someone always does in these good ghost stories, and decided to wreak havoc on the folks of Raven's Fair for all eternity. She would rip out the tongues of anyone related to any of the men who had come to find her that night. Now, who's the dummy? This movie won't go down in history as one of the scariest of all time, and we probably most likely won't be talking about it 30 years down the road, but I felt inclined to include it on my list of must-see scary movies, if for no other reason than the fact that it was made in 2007, and it's so rare that I find a modern-day horror movie that I enjoy as much as I enjoyed this one. Say what they will about the characters or the special effects, whatever. I thought this was a perfectly enjoyable flick. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of Must See Scary Movies. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And I also hope you'll go out and give Dead Silence a chance if you haven't already. And... Take a look at the tale of Mary Shaw, who had no children, only dolls. I'm John Lerner, and until next time, stay scared, folks. Alrighty. Well, believe it or not, we're just about out of time for this week. I know. Dry your eyes. But... Before we head out, a few housekeeping things. So, that, as you know, and as it says, as I said, that's one of my favorite segments we do here every week, Must See Scary Movies. However, here's what's going to happen. Because the next show, Monday, is on December 5th, 
officially the holiday season. We're going to hold off on doing scary movie reviews until after the new year, after the Christmas time. I just, I don't really think scary movie reviews fit with, you know, the joy and love of the holiday season. So we're going to hold off on those. Also, some upcoming shows to look forward to. We're going to have a few guests, believe it or not. Some comedians are going to come in to chat. Also, a friend of mine who's a a staunch Republican, works for the GOP um, something of New York. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And also, some shows to look forward to. We're going to do a few holiday shows, probably one or two. We're going to do go through the best Christmas movies of all time. And then probably on another episode, we'll go through not necessarily the best Christmas songs of all time, because that would be, I mean, there's just too many, but per, but the best rec- recordings of various Christmas songs of all time. And no one knows that better than me, because I really think so. And that's something to look forward to. This has been fun. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Thank you for listening. As always, you can check us out on Twitter. We are at... Next Best Radio, and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash NBT Radio. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. This has been The Next Best Thing. I'm John Lerner, and we'll see you next week. Until then, stay happy, stay healthy, and goodbye, my friends. Young, I'd flee this town. I buried my dreams underground. As did I, we drink to die. We drink to night. Far from home, elephant guns was taken down one by one. Will they hit down? It's not been found. It's not a
for tuning in to Radio Free Brooklyn, a fully volunteer-owned and operated radio station. If you like what you're listening to, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com and click on the Donate button. When you donate your hard-earned dollars to the station, you are supporting the Radio Free Brooklyn community and independent radio in the heart of the Internet. Go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com and click on Donate. Thank you. Nelson Rockefeller's will you get rich quick? Get rich quick with Josh and Noel. Saturdays at five. Don't spend all that knowledge in one place. <laughs>